Welcome back to The Blackout. As always, we are coming to you from bellyupsports.com. He is Alan Denton and can be found on Twitter at AD on The Blackout. I am Thomas Black and can be found on Twitter at TB on The Blackout. It is time for another bowl season pick em pod with ATS locks for 25 games coming up December 26th through Monday, January 2nd. So if you missed out on our first ATS Locks episode that's available to anyone and everyone through your favorite podcast platform, it is out there. And make sure you go and listen to the locks that we gave away. Alan and I each had five locks for you for those first 17 games on the bowl slate. This time we're coming to you with seven apiece. Alan, welcome back. How are you? Man, I am doing well for the first time. And it feels like a month the sun is out on this thursday december the 15th so all feels well in the world again and we get football starting tomorrow which uh is going to be awesome i'm really happy you gave away our timeline i wasn't really thinking about doing the same thing but i think that's helpful we are recording on thursday before bowl games have kicked off because we've done so much prep and because bowl games are right on top of us it, it almost feels like being that we've recorded a couple of episodes already for our listeners, it feels like games should have kicked off already and we should see some results. But for anybody who may listen to this episode after games kick off, we still haven't seen any results and we're doing our very, very best to pick up as much information as we can. So there is a ton out there and a ton has been changing as we've been looking at Twitter, as we've been looking at ESPN, as we've been looking at websites all over the place, just because so many opt-outs, so many transfers, all things going down that have impacted a lot of these games. Alan, it's been kind of a firestorm to track, and I think we've done a pretty good job of it, but it's been mayhem, and I'm sure we've missed some things here and there, but I think we've covered a lot of the really important stuff that we're going to have in our notes for picks that we're giving away today and certainly on past episodes as well. Absolutely. All right, Alan, before we get started with some picks, I do want to touch on a couple of things that we had break in the news cycle over the past week. Going back to when we recorded last Friday, this information came out just hours after we recorded. So one of my ATS locks was the Louisville Cardinals plus the points against the Cincinnati Bearcats, and I was counting on Malik Cunningham to be healthy and play in the game. However, About two hours after we recorded, Malik Cunningham announced he was opting out, getting ready for the NFL draft. We also have heard word that Tyon Evans, Louisville's star running back, and Tyler Hudson, their best wide receiver, are also not going to play in this game. However, on the other side, Cincinnati has some opt-outs of their own. Their two top wide receivers, Trey Tucker and Tyler Scott, are skipping this game to go ahead and get ready for the NFL draft. So, Alan, I gave it out as an ATS lock in favor of Louisville plus the points. For a moment, when I heard all the stuff surrounding Louisville, I thought about flipping my pick to the other side. However, with the opt-outs for Cincinnati, I already told you I think they're playing a backup quarterback. I think they're going to be one-dimensional. I still kind of like the play on Louisville's side. I don't feel as strongly about it. I don't feel like it's an absolute lock but I think I'm going to stay on that side and uh, you can take the information I'm giving here and I'll maybe mention a little bit more specifically when we get over to our confidence episode, 
but I don't know how you're feeling about this one. But to me, I still kind of feel like I'm going to play the side of Louisville plus the points in this matchup. And they are currently a favorite on our pick'em board. So it's interesting to look at it that way, knowing that there are so many opt-outs in this game. Yeah, this is an all-moving target in many ways. We just discussed off the air that with the transfer portal and opt-outs this year, it's unlike any other bowl season that we've ever seen and had to prepare for. And this is an instance of that. You just don't know what we don't know. We've never seen many of these quarterback and particularly with coaching changes as well. And both of these teams also have coaching changes. It's just a wild season. So I tend to agree with you staying on that Louisville side, but it's one of those things again, like definitely not on confidence side, pushing them up the board or anything like that. Yeah. I think that makes an awful lot of sense. Another one that we want to talk about is this was not given out in our picks, but it's newsworthy. And we want to be sure that each of you who are listening to this get as much of this news cycle as you possibly can, at least with the highly significant players that are impacting these games. So in the New Orleans Bowl, we did get word just a couple of days ago that Austin Reed, the quarterback of Western Kentucky, has taken his name out of the transfer portal. I think the anticipation is that now he's going to play in the bowl game against South Alabama. So earlier this week, South Alabama was an eight-point favorite over a touchdown, definitely one of the bigger favorites on the board, and now that line has been sliced to four and a half. So I think the full anticipation that would be that Reed is going to play in this game, and Alan, I believe that is something to certainly take into account as you consider your picks and what side you're going to be on as you uh, look at this matchup coming up pretty soon in uh, bowl season. It makes a huge difference for me. At least that one does. Actually, before that news broke, I was going to be on the side of the Hilltoppers. And uh, once that happened, I was like, well, I'm definitely not going to talk about that on air. And uh, so I think that's going to be a fun matchup now that he's back in the fold because he's been really good all year. And just to clear up exactly what you just said, you, you were saying before Austin Reed went into the transfer portal, you were thinking about playing the Western Kentucky side? Yep, sure was. Gotcha. And, and- now he's back, that's most likely where I'll be. Very understandable. So, Alan, I don't think there's anything else we need to cover necessarily from that first set of 17 games that lead up until Christmas Day. So if you're ready for it, let's go ahead and dive into some locks for the bowl games December 26th through January 2nd. Absolutely. All right, Alan, we're going to do this in chronological order, just as we did on our last episode. So, The very first lock that I have for the games after Christmas Day is the late slot on Tuesday, December 27th at 10.15 p.m. So you have anything before that? No, I have that one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Very nice. Let's go. All right. I'll start us off with the guaranteed rate bowl. Of course, Alan's going to be playing the same thing as well. In this game, we have Wisconsin as a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the ESPN ATS Pick'em against Oklahoma State. And I'm going to give some information here in this episode. I'm not going to give all of my data points for why I'm picking one side or the other because I'm going to reserve some of that for the confidence pick'em because I'm also going to have a play coming up in that episode on this matchup as well. But in this game, we have transfer quarterbacks. Graham Mertz from Wisconsin is not expected to play in this game. Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State, I believe, is not expected to play in this game. That would mean for Wisconsin, we should be expecting either Chase Wolf or Miles Burkett to play for the Badgers. I'm not sure what that means. Chase Wolf is a guy who's been around for a few years. 
He hasn't been great. He's been mistake-prone at times, but he is experienced. On the other side with Oklahoma State, their backup quarterbacks, we talked about them a little bit earlier this season, Garrett Rangel and Gunnar Gundy, the son of Mike Gundy, uh, have been a mess when they've gotten in games. They're young, they're freshman type quarterbacks. Maybe one of them is a redshirt freshman, but both guys have really struggled to complete a lot of passes. They have thrown a lot of interceptions. And because of the defense they will be facing in Wisconsin, I think there is a good chance that the quarterback play from Oklahoma State is going to struggle. And when you have Wisconsin, I think they may just be looking to play mistake-free football and allow their defense to lock up the Cowboys. So I will give out a little bit more information on this game when we get over to the confidence pick But for right now, with what we are talking about, I feel safe in locking up the Badgers minus two and a half points. It's another lock party, baby. Woo! It's another lock party. And here's what I found interesting. Luke Fickle's expected to coach this game for Wisconsin. Did you know that? Yeah, I saw that just earlier today. I think that's a fascinating move. I don't know that I've ever seen a new coach come in and do that, but it's understandable because – you know, they've been without a head coach for the past month, month and a half. So he's coming in. Braylon Allen is going to play. He's staying a Wisconsin Badger. Oklahoma State has not had a successfully good defense. As long as Wisconsin doesn't turn the ball over, I don't see uh, Oklahoma State taking care of the ball. And I, I don't see them, you know, staying within three points, you know, so definitely pushing that one for the Badgers. I like it a lot. You're touching on a couple of things that I'm going to get into as well on our bonus episode when we get into the confidence picks. So that is one that uh, we start off with another lock party. We have been well documented with this. Alan and I did find a way to go over during the regular season with our lock parties. That was over four, but uh, we had two lock parties on our first episode. Here's a third one for you. And I imagine, Alan, that we're going to hit on at least a couple of these as we go through bowl season. You know, there's a lot of line shifts. There's a lot of players opting out. As long as we have a decent read, I think we're going to hit on some of these as we go through bowl season. I think there's a pretty decent chance that we we hit over 50% of the log parties. Let's hope we do, especially if we pick up some more. We'll uh, hopefully get on the better end of 500. Alan, the next lock that I have is coming up on the next day, Wednesday, the 28th in the 8 o'clock time slot. Do you have anything before that? I do not. I bow out and let you do it. Okay. With the Holiday Bowl, we have the North Carolina Tar Heels as a a 9.5-point underdog against the Oregon Ducks. And on the North Carolina side, you might expect that Drake May could have some big plays at quarterback against this Oregon pass defense. I think that is a highly likely possibility. However, he is going to be missing his main target as Josh Downs, who has 94 receptions and over 1,000 yards receiving on the season, plus 11 touchdowns, has opted out in turn to go to the NFL draft. On the other end, I don't know if Bo Nix is going to play in this game. I don't know if that's been confirmed. Uh, To me, it feels like maybe it's a question. He was banged up at the end of last year. I don't know if he could opt out with a chance just to go to the NFL draft and get picked up. But either way, Oregon's been working on getting their younger quarterback, Ty Thompson, into games. Now, he's made some mistakes throughout the year, but even if he plays in this game and not Bo Nix, 
I think that whoever's playing quarterback for Oregon can have success against the UNC defense. We've seen them be terrible all year. Bo Nix put up kind of video game-like numbers all year long. So if he plays in this game, I really like the odds of Oregon playing well. But even if Ty Thompson plays, I think that this Ducks team can rely on the running backs, Bucky Irving and Noah Whittington, against this North Carolina defense that averages giving up over 160 rushing yards per game. So, Alan, I feel very comfortable in this one, in a game in which we've seen this line shoot up well above 10 points. I like locking up the Ducks minus nine and a half points in the, in the Holiday Bowl. Yeah, I'm on that same side. This is not a lock, but that line shot up significantly up to minus 14 on Oregon side, which is interesting because Oregon is going to be hit by people opting out and transferring. It's not as if they have everybody playing, but as you mentioned, North Carolina will not have Phil Longo, their offensive coordinator, which I think is a big deal. He will be going to Wisconsin this next year. So we don't know who's going to be calling the plays there. Uh, Drake May is obviously incredibly talented, but as you mentioned, without Josh Downs, his main dude, that's a big loss. I mean, Josh Downs is maybe the first overall receiver taken. You, you just see it. This could be the more physical, better defensive team will end up winning this game, and I think that's Oregon. Yeah, I think they are the more physical team. And the thing is, to me, you mentioned the line, how much it shot up to a couple of touchdowns. That is significant to me, but I really even liked this play well before the line started moving that much. So I liked Oregon to win this game by two scores or more. Obviously, a nine and a half point line is two scores, but most of the time, a two score game is 10 points or more. So I felt very comfortable with this one already. And then when Josh Downs gave his announcement, it just made it feel even more comfortable to me because I think that Oregon can have success passing and running in this game and with North Carolina it's just I think their big plays if they're going to have them it's going to come in the passing game but you take Josh Downs away and I think that's going to limit some of what they do offensively for sure that's very very true all right Alan the next ATS lock I have comes in the early slot on Thursday the 29th do you have one either then or before that I have one on 29th at 2 p.m. all right I have the same game but I'll let you start us off since you haven't led the way with a pick yet Okie dokie. Well, I mean, here we go. Sounds like we may be on the same side again. (laughs) I like this line movement. I think it's been really interesting. You normally don't have this long for a line to jump one way or the other, but we're going to take you to the pinstripe bowl in a battle between the Minnesota Golden Golfers over the Syracuse Orangemen. Minnesota has played pretty good ball, especially at the end of the year, even after they lost Chris Ottman Bell and even their quarterback, Tanner Morgan. This is a team that was able to beat Wisconsin at the end of the year at Wisconsin in a big battle. Syracuse has slowly deteriorated over the course of the year. It's not a team that's going to be overall very explosive. While this Minnesota team still does have Mo Ibrahim and a good, good defense. The line started out at minus six and a half, has since moved to seven and a half. I feel very comfortable with Minnesota winning this game. I think they're the far superior team, and I see this being a two-score game. You can double the lock party. Here we go. Yes, (laughs) let's go. We've got good eyes, man. 
I hope we have good eyes. It, it did not work for us during the regular season, but I do feel good about a lot of the things we're lining up on here in the postseason. I'll extend on some of what you're talking about. You mentioned Syracuse deteriorating as the year went on. Specifically, they lost five of their last six games. And the thing that I really noticed, I talked about it some during the regular season, especially that matchup with Notre Dame, they started giving up a lot of yards on the ground. Rewind back to the game against Clemson. The Tigers ran the ball 60 times for 293 yards. Notre Dame followed that up with 56 rush attempts for 246. Against Pittsburgh, a team that really doesn't run the ball all that well, Rodney Hammond Jr. ran the ball 28 times for 124 yards. Against Florida State, they gave up 40 rush attempts for 230 yards. And even against Wake Forest, another team that doesn't run the ball that well, they gave up over 200 rushing yards. And when you talk about Mo Ibrahim, he is a beast. Minnesota has a good defense to complement against a Syracuse offense that at times was decent this year, but I never think it was very good. And I think this is going to be one of their bigger tests of the season. So I am willing to lock it up as well. I'm going to take the Gophers minus those six and a half points as well. Go Golden Gophers. (laughs) Alan, as we shift forward, we have a couple more games on Thursday the 29th. However, I do not have another game as an ATS lock until we get to Friday the 30th at noon. I don't have one the rest of the 29th. And the next one I've got is the Sun Bowl at 2 p.m. on the 30th. Okay, very good. So I'll give my next ATS lock and then you can take us away with the Sun Bowl. With the noon slot on Friday the 30th, we've got the Dukes Mayo Bowl. It's between Maryland as a two-and-a-half-point favorite and NC State. We have seen this line shift a little bit, still in favor of Maryland, but I'm going to lock in on a few things that I've seen with Maryland throughout the season, and this is going to be another one that I'm going to reserve some of the details and contents of this matchup until the Confidence Picks episode coming on Patreon that Alan and I are going to record next. So when I look at this Maryland team, Early in the season, they had kind of a surprisingly competitive matchup with Michigan in a loss, 34-27. They lost a tight game with Purdue, 31-29. But when they've played really good defenses, I think that's when we've seen this team struggle the most. Against Wisconsin, they lost 23-10 and had less than 200 yards of offense. Against Penn State, they were shut out 30-0 and had less than 150 yards of offense. They surprisingly bounced back a little bit against Ohio State, losing 43-30, to 30, but you and I talked about that game a couple of times, Alan, that that game was much closer than the score even indicates. However, when they face NC State, this NC State team might have the best defense they've played all year. And while there are questions about some transfers and that kind of thing, the Wolfpack has consistently gotten good quarterback play. I don't think Maryland's defense is all that good. So I am very willing to lock up the Wolfpack plus two and a half points in this matchup in a game that I think could be pretty close with an NC State team that does not score a ton offensively and doesn't necessarily have a great offense. But I think they can find some success against this Maryland defense. So I will definitely be locking up NC State plus the two and a half points. This is one that I didn't feel like I had a great feel for, to be honest with you. I think the assumption is that Talia Tungavaloa will be playing in this game, but I did see where Rakeem Jarrett is dropping out and preparing for the ball game. That dude's good. He's a really good explosive wide receiver. Even with Devin Leary, you know, entering the transfer portal and being a hotly pursued dude, they've proven that they can go on without him. So I tend to lean where you're leaning just because of how physical 
NC State typically plays. But we'll see when it comes down to it. Physical, hard-hitting defense that always seems to be in the right spot. They wrap up. They bring dudes to the ground. They don't miss a lot of tackles. I like that side of it, looking at what I think is the best unit on the field is the NC State defense, and I think that could give them a leg up, certainly, on the Terrapins. So, Alan, why don't you take us away with that Sun Bowl matchup at 2 o'clock on the 30th? All right. So, as Thomas alluded to, we got the Sun Bowl matchup at 2 p.m. That's UCLA against Pittsburgh. Um, UCLA had a really great year. Um, Dorian Thompson Robinson just had uh, just a tremendous year under Brian Kelly. Uh, No, not Brian Kelly. Good God. Under Chip Kelly and Pittsburgh ended up getting to eight wins, which is really impressive considering their struggles at the beginning and the middle kind of the year. And the fact that Keaton Slovis is transferring out and didn't play as well as maybe me or a lot of people anticipated. When you look at this game, you're looking at a team in UCLA that can run the ball and they are very balanced. DTR can run the ball and he can sling that tater all over the place. When you look at Pittsburgh, their best defensive lineman, Yancey, is not going to be playing in this game. They still have some pretty good players. Uh, Israel Abanaconda is a good running back, but it's not somebody that UCLA hasn't played good running backs before. I tend to think UCLA is really, really going to want to finish this year well. The line's now jumped up to minus six, which is an indicator of where people think that kind of is. And I'm locking it in at three and a half. So I've got UCLA at that three and a half. It's another lock party. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) We need to say we do not share these picks beforehand. Like this is totally random and just what we're eyeballing. Yeah, we're just kind of feeling the same things out with these matchups. And I'll echo a lot of things you said. I think that It's significant for Pittsburgh that Keaton Slovis is transferring. That means that it's probably going to be Nick Patty or Nate Yarnell who is going to start for them. Nick Patty's gotten some playing time in the past. It's been kind of inconsistent. Some people have praised him for he was the quarterback who came in and beat Michigan State a year ago, but that Michigan State team really was not very good at that time. So I don't find it that impressive, and I don't believe that he's probably going to come in and tear up a UCLA defense that – isn't great, but does have some dudes who can get after the quarterback. So I'm not optimistic with that. And one of the things that people could talk about optimistically with Pittsburgh is that the defense is so good, and it has been. But you kind of alluded to it. Their defensive tackle, ACC Defensive Player of the Year, Kalijah Kansi, has opted out. He's not going to play. That's a big dude in the interior I looked at his stats earlier, and I think from the inside, he had something like seven and a half sacks and maybe 14 or 14 and a half tackles for loss. That is a lot of production from the defensive tackle position. And I know they've got other dudes. I know they're talented on the defensive line, but that is a big time loss because that is going to be one of the top defensive linemen I imagine would be drafted into the NFL. So one of the things that I've been tracking with UCLA is trying to figure out whether all their stars are going to play. But it's been documented earlier this week that Dorian Thompson-Robinson was at the first day of practice. Zach Charbonnet was at the first day of practice. Mike Bobo has been practicing at wide receiver as well. So the offense is what the Bruins produce that is their best football. And I expect about everybody to be there. I did see one slot receiver 
Kazmir Allen, who wasn't at their opening practice, but I know he's been banged up a lot. So I don't know if that's an indication that he's opting out or maybe he's injured, that kind of thing. But I've seen a lot of indications that UCLA is kind of feeling like they're going to have everybody available. And with that, I definitely like the exact same side that you do, Allen. I'm locking up UCLA minus the three and a half points. Very much so. Uh, I think that we're seeing the same things, the same tendencies, same matchups, and I, I like that we're feeling it. I love it. Alan, I don't have another ATS lock until we get to the end of the night on Saturday the 31st. So do you have anything before then? Yeah, I do. I'm going with the Gator Bowl. So this is on the 30th at 3.30 p.m. I hesitated to touch this matchup because uh, for a lot of different reasons, man. One of which being Marcus Satterfield heads to Nebraska, offensive coordinator at South Carolina. A lot of things going on at Notre Dame. They've had several opt-outs. You've got maybe the best tight end in all of the land and Michael Mayer for Notre Dame getting ready for the draft. He's not the only one on that Notre Dame team that's going to be doing that as well. Isaiah Foskey is doing that. But you look at South Carolina, they're losing a lot too. This is the opt-out bowl in many ways. Jaheim Bell, their explosive tight end, wide receiver, running back hybrid type guy. He's going to FSU. Austin Stogner, another tight end. He's transferring back to OU. Obviously, they're still going to have Spencer Rattler, who played well near the end of the season. But I don't see any, any way that this South Carolina team keeps up what they had been producing. Uh, Last year, they got on a roll at the end of the season and ended up winning the Mayo Bowl where, you know, Shane Beamer just smothered himself in Mayo like an idiot. But I feel like Notre Dame's been playing their best ball late in the season. Yes, several of their people, including their best target in Mayer, is not going to be playing. I don't even know if they know exactly who's going to be playing quarterback yet for this game. But to me, that's not going to matter because I think Notre Dame's going to be able to run the football. That's the biggest thing, and that's the reason I'm locking down Notre Dame at the four and a half. I like it. I thought about giving this as a lock, and then all the news came out with Notre Dame and all the opt-outs they're going to have, and I just kind of pulled everything that I was considering off as far as a lock. I, I just didn't feel like I was willing to touch it. But even though the line has been trending to the other side with this South Carolina team that pulled off upsets against Tennessee and Clemson to close out the season, I still think Notre Dame has the better football team. So I think I'm going to be with you on the same side on the ATS side with Notre Dame minus four and a half points. I do wish it was at a lower number, you know, initially, like we're seeing now, maybe at Notre Dame minus two and a half or something like that. Obviously, that's not going to be the case, but Spencer Rattler does have to go up against a good Notre Dame defense. Of course, Isaiah Foskey being out, like you mentioned, I think that is a big deal. Michael Mayer not being there, I think is a big deal. But we've seen this Notre Dame team really get its running game going as the year has gone on. They still have Audric Estime back there. I think they're probably going to give the ball to him an awful lot and run the ball against a South Carolina defense that has given up a ton of rushing yards throughout the season. So I think I'm going to lean on the same thing there and trust Notre Dame's defense, even with the loss of a guy like Foskey, to possibly get the stops they need to get that separation and win this thing by like a touchdown or so. So I think I'm probably going to be on the same side with the Fighting Irish minus the four and a half points. And Notre Dame, we've talked about physicality. That's going to travel. Those road graders, for the most part, are staying. They're playing. And because of that, 
I'm sticking with Notre Dame because I think they are going to be the physical team that can run that dang ball and can stop the run. Because even Marshawn Lloyd opted out and is transferring from South Carolina. He was their best running back. So it's unfortunate this is an opt-out bowl, but I still think it could be an entertaining one to watch because we don't know what to expect. Most definitely. There are a lot of question marks surrounding that matchup. Reason I stayed away from a lock, but I understand why you would still stick with it. Alan, I've got, of course, the playoff matchup between Ohio State and Georgia coming up on the 31st. Is there anything else you have before that one? Uh, no. The next one is after New Year's Day. Okay, perfect. I will lead us off with a CFP matchup in the Peach Bowl. I already mentioned it. The Buckeyes and the Bulldogs playing each other. And this is another one that I'm going to have some information coming to you on our bonus episode over on Patreon with the Confidence Value Pick. So I'll give away some things here, but this is a matchup that I'm really, really interested in in the playoff. For the Ohio State side, I think things to note, Travion Henderson is officially out. He is going to have foot surgery and uh, will not play against the Georgia Bulldogs. Of course, you do have an explosive offense with C.J. Stroud at quarterback. Even though Henderson is out, You've still got Mayan Williams, who's had a strong year this year at running back. I just don't think he's quite as explosive, obviously. And then they've got star wide receivers in Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Egbuka. But it has also been confirmed that Jackson Smith and Jigba is out. Of course, he was banged up all year, and he opted out of this game. Supposedly, he was saying he wanted to play in this game, but his doctors advised him not to play against the Georgia Bulldogs. So he is opting out and preparing for the NFL draft. On the other side, this Georgia team is really physical. They've got a pretty good offensive line. They've got the star tight ends in Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington. Lad McConkie's been pretty good. Kenny McIntosh has really gotten going as the season has gone on at running back. I trust in Stetson Bennett enough against this Ohio State defense that I think could put some pressure on him, but I don't think they're necessarily great and are going to have a hard time covering all these guys. So I am going to lean on the Georgia Bulldogs that has been one of the most consistent teams in the country in a year where we really haven't had a true, consistent, dominant team around the country. I think Georgia's about as close as we've gotten. So I am going to lock up the Georgia Bulldogs minus six and a half points, trusting them to get enough stops and score enough points against Ohio State to win by seven or more. This one, I'm going to touch on it in the next episode, but I appreciate your confidence. And in some ways, I want to believe that too. But this line is awfully high for me. Ah, Yeah, awfully, awfully high. So we'll we'll talk about that one and I'll give you a little shout out on that next episode. Well, fair enough. It sounds to me like you, I think we could safely say it sounds like you're going to be on Ohio State plus the points though. Yeah, I am. Fair enough. All right, Alan, where are you taking us next with an ATS lock? I have a lot coming up in our very last bowl game. Sorry, not the last bowl game. I have an ATS lock coming up at 1 p.m. on Monday the 2nd. So where's your next one? All right. I'm with the Reliac West Bowl on 1-2, which is the 12 p.m. kickoff. And this is the Pirate Bowl for me. This is the honorary Mike Leach Bowl. Man, we lost a legend in college football this week. And I think that Mississippi State, with the fact that they will have Will Rogers still there, Zach Arnett is going to be stepping in, becoming the outright head coach in Leach's absence. I think this is a team that is very much going to be motivated to play this game. When you look at a line as small as this one 
was and even still is Mississippi State initially at minus one and a half. It's essentially a pick 'em game. And even still, Illinois is the favorite now, but it's just minus two. And so it's still essentially a pick 'em game. You're just saying, I think this team's going to win. And I think even though they're going to be without somebody like Ra Ra Thomas at the wide receiver position and a couple of others, including uh, a running back that uh, I forget his name, but he was not pleased uh, with Mike Leach at all. But it's one of those things that I think this team is going to come out very, very motivated. And they're going to give an ode to Mike Leach playing in Tampa Bay Buck Stadium, which is the pirate ship. And so I don't see how they lose this game. I don't think God will let them lose the game. So I'm taking Mississippi State. <laughs> I, I love it, Alan. Uh, that is one that... I initially had this down as an ATS lock and I pulled off of it just because of some information coming in another matchup that I'm going to give out here in just a little bit. But this is one that I liked in another way, but it is, I think we can't go through this matchup without really discussing Mike Leach because man, it is so sad what happened this past week, a sudden heart attack and you know, for his family, his wife, and uh, I believe he has kids as well, just losing yeah. A parent so quickly and so suddenly, you know, that he ended up in the emergency room and was there for I don't know how long it was, maybe a day or so before he passed away. But for this football program, for his family, everybody involved, obviously, we've seen the football community nationally reaching out, whether that's coaches, announcers, commentators, anything like that, people talking about the impact that Mike Leach has had on the sport of college football. It really has been touching to see the outreach and all that kind of stuff, but uh, definitely an impact on the game of college football and one that I think it would be sad to see us just glaze over that, being that we've touched on Mike Leach so many different times on this podcast over the last few years if we, as we've been doing this project together. Yeah, he was such a awesome, fun dude that didn't take himself or even football too seriously. And I, as somebody that likes to be lighthearted, I very much appreciated that. It, you know, these coaches just are bonkers serious all the time and take themselves too seriously. And so I always appreciated the fact that he was willing to be funny and add a, a life and interest outside of football. I think his team will be ready to go against what's going to be a really good defense in Illinois, but they lost their defensive coordinator. who's becoming the head coach at Purdue. So they're going to be without one of their guys as well. So I think this one kind of lends itself to motivation being a big deal. I think motivation absolutely can be a big deal. And uh, to give you my thoughts now on the pick, because you were on Mississippi State minus the points, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm going to be on the other side. I think that losing Mike Leach, while it can be motivational, and I think certainly will be, I think that it could also have a negative impact on some players, you know, because it's so recent and because it's such a harsh change in reality from what they've seen in over the last few years. You mentioned the great defense that Illinois has. I think that's a key factor in this game. I think that the best defenses that Mississippi State has seen this season have been able to really slow down that Will Rogers passing attack. You already mentioned Ra Ra Thomas sitting out as a transfer. I think he is their most explosive wide receiver. While they do spread the ball around an awful lot and have other options, I just think that this Illinois defense is well-coached, 
You mentioned defensive coordinator off taking the job at Purdue. That could be significant, maybe, but I think this unit has been so cohesive and so good all year that I think they may have a good shot at putting a game plan together at slowing down the Bulldogs' offense. So I am actually going to be on the other side. I'm going to take the Illini plus a point and a half. I tip the cap to you, man. Love it. Anything else you need to touch on before we get into the 1 p.m. time slot on the second? I've got that Citrus Bowl matchup as well, LSU and Purdue, uh, but I'll, I'll let you take it away since it's your last pick. All right. For my very last pick, you're already alluding to it, the Citrus Bowl between LSU and Purdue. On our pick'em board in the ATS pick'em, we have the Tigers of LSU favored by five and a half points. Now, up until this morning, I did not have this as an ATS lock. Even though the line was shooting up and the LSU Tigers were favored by an awful lot, I didn't feel anything like locking this game up, but it was only a couple of hours ago that we saw some more information come out on this game. Now, of course, those of you who have followed these teams closely or know college football as a whole know that Jeff Brom is off on his way to Louisville. But on top of that, this morning, news broke out that Aiden O'Connell was expected to opt out of this game for Purdue. Now, at that point, the line on this game was something like 10 and a half or so, and then this morning I saw it jump to 11. And then I saw the news on Aiden O'Connell just 15 or 20 minutes after the rumor broke. And the next time I checked the line, it was up to 14, 14 and a half. So this thing has skyrocketed. And when you look over at LSU, sometimes I'm not really sure about some of these teams that kind of got close in playoff appearance possibilities. Not that I believe LSU ever was very close to making the college football playoff, but there were an awful lot of people hyping LSU for the playoff. And when that's the case, they lose to Georgia in the SEC championship game. I'm not sure what the motivation level is for these teams. I'm not sure if a guy like Jaden Daniels could opt out for this game, but we did see Garrett Nussmeyer, who was available against Georgia and threw for nearly 300 yards. So I think the quarterback play for LSU could be a plus in this matchup either way. And with Aiden O'Connell sitting out, I see no way around locking up the LSU Tigers minus five and a half points. They forced your hand. They forced my hand. LSU over Purdue. Nobody's playing for Purdue. Their coach is gone. The line shut up. It just feels like unless Purdue can perform some kind of miracle type thing, I just don't see it happening. Lock it up with LSU. Another lock party. What is that? That's uh, Is that four today? Five. So yeah, four or five, one of the two. All right. In total. Yeah, we had two in the first one. I'm trying to think whether we had three or four today. Either way, whatever it is, we'll figure that out, and we will tally that as we go. But lock parties are coming out fast and often here in bowl season. So, Alan, where are you taking us? How many more locks do you have before we get out of here? It's the last one. Last one, and we're going to the Rose Bowl in the matchup with Utah over Penn State. The line started out with Penn State being a half a point favorite. Again, this means that this is a pick'em game. That's all that means. And since then, the line has now moved pretty significantly to Utah minus two and a half. And that line's moving the way that I was leaning. Even though that Tavion Thomas is out for Utah, opted out getting ready for the draft, this is still a Utah team that is going to be highly motivated. And I think even Dalton Kincaid is out of this one as well. They're stud tight end. And I don't think it's even going to matter. They want revenge for last year. You could tell that in the way that they played in the 
Pac-12 championship game and beat down USC. This Penn State team is really not all that great. They are third best in the Big Ten by a wide, wide margin. And um, I don't think they're even close to one or two. And I think that says more about how you know mediocre the rest of the Big Ten is than anything else. But this Utah team is going to be good. They've got a good offense, and they've been playing better defense. So I don't think it's going to matter what Penn State does. I've got Utah rolling in this one. Lock it up as a half-point underdog. They will win this game. I like your confidence in it. I do not feel the same way, but I'm not going to say that I disagree with you either. This is one that I just did not get a really good read on, and I think some of the opt-out news is a little concerning to me. I don't even know if I had heard about Dalton Kincaid. Maybe I had seen just a brief glimpse of something, but I didn't pay real close attention to it. But you're right, Dalton Kincaid is skipping the Rose Bowl. You can add to that star cornerback, Clark Phillips III, who's declaring for the draft as well. He's one of the lockdown cornerbacks in college football. So some concerns there, but like you indicated, that hasn't slowed people down from putting money on the Utes in this matchup. So I don't feel extremely confident in this one, and I think that I'm probably going to be on the same side with Utah plus half a point, but it's just going to be one that I cannot add a whole lot to what you did and breaking it down already. You know, This is a Penn State team that was pretty good all year, but like you said, I don't, I don't think they're anything special and um, they've got decent quarterback play. They run the ball okay, but they are playing against a Utah team that has played probably its best defense as the year has gone on. So I'm going to be with a slight leanier direction with the chance that I could change it come kickoff. But, you know, for right now, I'll be on the side with Utah plus the half point. I appreciate that. Thanks for siding with me, my man. No problem. We didn't have many disagreements thus far through bowl season, but uh, hopefully that leads us to good things coming on our pick'em boards as we go through the ATS pick'em over on ESPN.com. That's right. Alan, you got anything else for the ATS locks or any other information you'd like to give out to the good listeners of the podcast before we wrap nope. up here? Nope. Best of luck to everybody and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to everybody indeed. Hope that the locks really benefit you as we go. And for Alan and me, we are going to jump over to Patreon where we are going to record another bowl season pick and pod, this time on the confidence side. We're going to give you out some of our best confidence value plays and an opportunity to gain some points on another contest, on another pick and board. And if you would like access to those picks, all you have to do is jump on to Patreon. You can find the link for that account in the show notes of this episode, and you can click over there to be able to get those value plays for as little as $2.50 per month as we go throughout bowl season. When you do that, you're going to get access to our picks. You're going to get access to our spreadsheet that we give out that lines up all the active spreads versus what the confidence values would be if you were to follow the active lines versus kind of the information we're giving out. So there's a lot of different information you can get your hands on. And once you have subscribed to the show on Patreon, we're also going to take that money and we're going to throw it into the pot for next season's prizes. So we've got some cool things going on. And Alan and I are going to have seven confidence value plays a piece coming to you over on the confidence pick'em episode. Alan, you ready for it? Let's do it. Love it. Alan, thank you for your time. And we'll see you on the other side, sir. See you on the other side. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up. 
so we made it our name, and we're still here.